promotes the health of individuals and their communities. It is useful to remind us just how healthcare was not always categorized the way we tend to think of it today. Conventional medicine began to dominate the developed world in the mid-1800s. Often referred to as Western or allopathic, it relies on evidence-based pharmaceutical and physical interventions for treatment of illness and or injury. Drugs, vaccinations, surgical procedures, tests, and investigations form its backbone. Allopathic healthcare is set up to diagnose problems when they happen, while the more widespread disease affecting each and every one of us lies elsewhere. Healthcare is intended for the people, delivered by the people, and financed through the people as a byproduct of their own health, ability, and well being. Health and education are two sectors that are intended to inspire, prepare, and holistically nourish the humans that are the cogs of the engine that sustains society as we recognize it. Look at human health through the lens of the social determinants of health. These factors are known to influence the health of populations. They include income and social status, social support networks, education, employment and working conditions, social environments, physical environments, personal health practices and coping skills, healthy child development, gender, and culture. Among the variety of models for the social determinants of health, the one developed at a York University conference held in Toronto in 2002 has proven especially useful for understanding why some Canadians are healthier than others. The 14 social determinants of health in this model are Aboriginal status, gender, disability, housing, early life income and income distribution, education, race, employment and working conditions, social exclusion, food insecurity, social safety net, health services, unemployment, and job security. Each of these factors has been shown to have strong effects upon the health of Canadians. Their effects are much stronger than the ones associated with behaviors such as diet, physical activity, and even tobacco and excessive alcohol use. The Ivany Report brought this message home in the Now or Never, A Call to Action for Nova Scotians report. It gave us reason to pause and consider the multiple issues that threaten us as individuals and as a society. It gives us reason to think rationally, with compassion, and then to act cohesively. We must be transparent and accountable, and no matter how uncomfortable the truth, we must have the courage to stand beside it, accept the discomfort, and allow it to guide us forward together. Consider this homegrown successful movement from our own past. St. Francis Xavier University had long recognized that its knowledge and resources must be made available to the community. The Aniganish movement evolved from the pioneering work of Reverend Dr. Moses Cody and Reverend Jimmy Tompkins in the late 1920s. The local community development movement 
originated as a response to the poverty afflicting farmers, fishers, miners, and other disadvantaged groups in Eastern Canada. Dr. Cody and his associates used a practical and successful strategy of adult education and group action that began with the immediate economic needs of the local people. Six key principles were established as guidelines for the work. The primacy of the individual. This principle is based on both religious and democratic teaching. Religion emphasizes the dignity of human beings. Democracy stresses the value of the individual and the development of individual capacities as the aim of social organization. Social reform must come through education. Social progress in a democracy must come through the action of citizens. It can only come if there is an improvement in the quality of the people themselves. That improvement, in turn, can come through education. Education must begin with the economic. In the first place, people are most keenly interested in all concerned with economic needs. And it is good technique to suit the educational effort to the most intimate interests of the individual or group. Moreover, economic reform is the most immediate necessity because the economic problems of the world are the most pressing. Education must be through group action. Group action is natural because people are social beings. Not only are people commonly organized into groups, but their problems are usually group problems. Any effective adult education program, therefore, must fit into this basic group organization of society. Group action is essential to success under modern conditions. You cannot get results in business or civic affairs without organization. Effective social reform involves fundamental changes in social and economic institutions. It is necessary to face the fact that real reform will necessitate strong measures of change that may prove unpopular in certain quarters. The ultimate objective of the movement is a full and abundant life for everyone in the community. Economic cooperation is the first step, but only the first, towards a society that will permit every individual to develop to the utmost limit of her or his capacities. To quote Dr. Cody, human energy must be unleashed by the universal dissemination of ideas. In this column, I've referenced the following works. Joanna McNeil, Dalhousie Medicine Class of 2016, Alternative Healthcare Practices, How to Make Alternative Care Become Complementary Care Through Collaborative Care. Best Practice Section of the Public Health Agency of Canada website. The Canadian Facts.org, Social Determinants of Health. Social Determinants of Health, a Canadian Perspective from the Toronto Canadian Scholars Press and the Philosophic Principles of the Anagonish Movement from their website.